Welcome to the I Need a Minute podcast, Pirate Tanker Seniors Network. This is our last podcast of the year. We are ending it with a, I guess, a review or a recap of the movie I think was not my most anticipated movie, but from I saw the trailer for Don't Look Up and I saw Leo J-Law in it and I realized that it was about space and the modern world. I was like, I was in, I didn't need to know what else happened. And I'm here with Olivia. What up? Wow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it okay no but i i um the last time olivia was on a podcast we were reviewing or talking about a david attenborough um yes. uh, documentary that also talked about or referenced climate change and it's funny now that the next time you're on the podcast is what we're talking about and this is what you know a lockdown happens and we have climate change podcast pretty much pretty much so we watched Don't Look Up and we saved it. I saved it for Boxing Day because I knew when it came out, it was actually showing at TIFF the week before. But a lot of things were happening the week before. Um, and I said, like, nah, I'm, I'm going to wait. Like, I'm going to wait until after Christmas festivities. Then we had other things happen we're not going to talk about. But the morning of Boxing Day, there's no junk in the, in the Bahamas. And we're like, fuck it. Let's put on Don't Look Up. And just give me your when i hit play on don't look up did you know anything about it at all yeah because i saw the movie i saw the trailer before it showed up in my net in my netflix i believe i don't know the netflix that's on tv and yeah the netflix that's on tv (laughs) someone's netflix and um as soon as i saw it i think it was the day before actually it might have been christmas day or maybe on the 24th but as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I want to tell Dakari because I know that he's going to want to watch this and I want to watch it with him. So then when you put it on, I was so happy. Um, I just liked everybody, the whole cast that was in it, minus Ariana Grande. Not that I'm a hater. I just, um, Disney, you know, she's not the best actress, but everyone else is great. So don't look up the basic premise of this movie is that, and we I mean, if you're a pop culture person, watch movies, you've heard of this premise before. But there are scientists who find out that an asteroid is coming towards Earth and it's an extinction level event. But this time it's also a comedy mixed into the serious drama or the action that could happen in this movie. So Adam McKay, um, if you recognize the name, it's because he did movies like Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, Anchorman, Other Guys, which is my favorite Adam McKay movie. I think it's best written it has the best jokes it's the funniest um anchorman of course i love but other guys has a special place in my heart man for you know because this is a sports and pop culture podcast you know what um other guys is other guys is lebron's best season like he's won mvp a few times but it's that heat season when they run off 25 games in a row when they play the full 82 and then beat the spurs in seven that's what other guys is to me Anchorman is maybe like one of the seasons in Cleveland that's also great. But anyway, those are his movies. And then Adam McKay decides like, okay, I'm going to do, I guess, dramas now or or quote unquote serious movies, move away from comedy. He did Big Short and Vice uh, with Christian Bale. And then here he is now coming up with this movie and this all-star cast. Olivia kind of mentioned Aria Grande in the movie, but also, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio J-Law, Kate Beckinsale, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, and Kid Cudi also is in this movie. And Tyler Perry in this movie. Timothy so, Charlemagne. Who? Oh, yeah, yes. Timothy Charlemagne. I mean, he was... Charlemagne. Like, sorry. <laughs> Charlemagne. Char- Charlemagne the God. <laughs> Timothy Charlemagne. You know, he's 
someday you're Jennifer gonna be Lawrence. T- someday you're gonna be Tom Holland, Timothy. I believe in you. Um, but after that, so Adam McKay has this movie, has this deal with Netflix, is gonna put this one out, and then his biggest project actually of 2021. Uh, where would he served as not a writer or a director on, but as executive producer was Succession that had um, everyone's ear to the grindstone at that point. And Olivia has not seen Succession, but can you tell us what what is your I guess summation of Succession? Not seeing it, but then just hearing it uh, through the the TV room. What, what do you think Succession is about? Okay, so I've only heard heard. Succession. I still don't know what it looks like. And I think I may have seen a character here or there, but I think also my brain just completely removes it from my memory box. So every time I have passed the TV room with the door shut, just listening, I've always heard something to do with the dad and something possibly to do with the mom, but mostly about are the dad. Are you and it's, I'm going to get there. Yeah, just do it. Yeah. And it's basically, I feel like there's kids and they're. They complain. They're like, Dad, where, where's Dad? We can't find Dad. Oh, Dad's getting us in trouble. Oh, no, now Dad's in trouble. That's, that's actually literally what I think Succession is about, just some rich kids who are trying to protect their dad or take care of their dad. That is what Succession dad. is about. That's, yes. exactly, Dude, that's, that's what the wanted. wanted. Yes. Dad, what the fuck? where's Dad? <laughs> yes, what the fuck? You, okay. I was slowly leaving You've done it. this for yes, three months, and then at the time, you could do it on a podcast. I did it. I did it. Pussed out. I did it. The fuck? Wow. Anyway, so then um, Succession, of course. So if you see the comedy in Succession and the topics they kind of delve into, it kind of lines up with like Vice, Big Short, um, in that same vein. And so this movie, Don't Look Up, and I think like we can talk about this fully. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're into spoilers. I think, and you you told me what your, your Twitter um, search was, but obviously this movie to me was about climate change because that's how you get Leonardo DiCaprio to buy into a movie like this. Otherwise, he doesn't do this movie. But you have a movie about climate change and Leo will be like, all right, man, this is my time and it's going to go on Netflix and that's going to get the most eyeballs because Netflix can sit Leo in a room and say, you can have a $100 million movie, this many people will see it. But if you put this movie on Netflix and you want to talk about climate change, this many people will say it. And your like, first watch of the movie, did you get that? Did you think about climate change or the second topic a lot of people reference? No, I, I thought it had something to do with climate change because, I don't know, to, I feel like it's very clear. And then when I was on Twitter, it just also, it made me question it because there's so many trolls <laughs> saying, it's obviously not about climate change. Why don't you watch the movie again? It's about a comet. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Okay, wait, what? No, it has to be about climate change, right? Right? <laughs> right? Right? Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... Leonardo DiCaprio, if you know anything about Leo or any of his social media, it is all about climate change because Leo identified to his brain that the only way the world continues is if we get a, a actual like grasp on what's happening at climate change or else the world as we know it kind of changes. And throughout this movie, they make, I think, very clear references to that point. And this movie is built, I think, kind of as a satire and a political commentary and you have i think that the way it was shot i mean obviously netflix has a way that they shoot things 
but the kind of comedy they do, it kind of references The Daily Show and stuff like Colbert Report, but in the guise of a disaster movie. So there have been many asteroid movies made. There was um, Greenland, which is this year. We watched Greenland. Did you like Greenland? I thoroughly enjoyed Greenland. Greenland was a great was a movie. Great movie. Fun okay. to watch. Fun to watch. A fun watch. Because you know what uh, asteroid movies make you do? the fuck would I do in that situation? Exactly. It's like zombie, zombie yeah. apocalypse movies. It yes. makes you really think about, okay, where would I go? Where's the bunker? What would I do? And we'll get to it, the dinner, the dinner scene, yeah. what food we're going to yeah. do. What would you do in that situation? Because Greenland is uh, is a, the kind of movie or asteroid movies are never just um, like how zombie movies are. How are you going to survive after, right? That's true, yeah. Asteroid <laughs> movies are you stop this shit now or we're going to die. There's no aftermath kind of in it. Except Greenland tried to like put a bow on it, I think, like a happy thing at the end. But but it, it's great. You, I think you could have watched it earlier this year on Amazon Prime, but they took it away. I want to watch it again now. Yeah. And then, of course, go I ahead. No, I was going to say, I always think that, okay, so if, um, if you found out a meteor was hitting and you had six months and you knew it was six months, in that moment, do you trust... Do you trust that something's going to happen? And do you, if you have a shitty job, do you continue with that There's job? There's no way you finish your job. Or do you just say, I have, I have six months definitely worth of savings. No, no, no. I'm just yeah. going to fuck off for six yeah, I'm going to have you, a sabbatical. And then if six months comes and we're alive, then I'll just come back to work. You fuck Start off, my life again. You fuck off for six months. That's 100% and what I would do. hope that the rest of the people, because I've always said this about rich yeah. people and about capitalism, like, you know why? You should want the world to continue if you're a wealthy person. Because if all of a sudden the people who you think, quote unquote, are going to serve you stop, there's nothing left for you. Like you have no one who's going to fly the plane, who's going to bring you room service, who is going to do bottle service, all the things that you like to do. So in my in my estimation, watching it, honestly, if there was six months left, yeah, I'm not going back to work. Like 2022 is going to be the year they finally announce us that aliens are coming. Yep. Um. If I get aliens are going to land on the planet. Aliens are already here. Sorry, so I'm not going not to work. They're not coming. They're and already here. They're just coming out of hiding. Yeah. Perhaps. There was, there was a story. <laughs> okay. We're, go, go on. No, go no, on. no, no. No, this tangent is good. Okay. There was a story about how NASA had hired um, religious leaders to be like, oh, what would be like, what would be the reaction of your congregation if we announced aliens were coming? NASA. This is Ask official. Just a question. Just no, a question. this. Yeah, just a question. Just, just to see. I'm just asking questions. Just asking questions. NASA did this. They hired religious people to be like, just, just go ahead and see what the reaction would be. And what was the reaction? They're not going to announce that. But like, why would NASA even hire people to do this? Wait a second. Okay, we need to find. I have to find this information because I, I want to. <laughs> I want a reaction video. I'll send it to you. <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. But like why the fact that they're even going this far to hire people or pay people money in order to do this. There is some Republicans want to cut everything. But NASA said, all right, we're going to take some of this money and like give it to religious people. I think somehow, for example, let's say the Pope finds this out. Okay, I think they're going to somehow find a way to use the words of their religion um, to find an answer of what the alien is. It's all, it's all signposts, right? It's all finding little words and trying to move things around for her to validate your own religion. So I think that's what they would do. Because they still, if they lose that power, then they would 
you know, they would quote cease to exist and I had a, um, I feel like they'd want the power. So they're going to have to find something. In high school and religion class, I had a priest who would like talk about metaphors and how the Bible was just metaphors for stuff. So that part of it, they would try, but I think they would fail. And that because they would fail, if there's a big, Hunk mm, of metal. People are really stupid to carve. No, no, but if people there's are a, going to fall. Yeah, and they're gonna get back to don't look people. up. If there's yeah, a okay. big hunk of metal in the sky, what like reference in the Bible can you put towards They'll that? Find something. They'll find something. Okay. All right. So back back to uh, don't look up. So in the vein of Greenland, we were talking about. There's also Deep Impact, Taylor, which is actually my favorite asteroid movie. I honestly, the name is familiar, but I actually don't know if I've Deep seen it. Deep Impact, Elijah Wood, Taylor, in it. Uh, Morgan Freeman is the president. That was one of the first black presidents mm-hmm. I saw in a movie. Okay, maybe um, not. Let's see what else. Uh, Armageddon, of course. Bruce Willis, Liv Tyler, Ben Affleck. When they Definitely actually Armageddon. go to the asteroid, drill into the asteroid, put their bombs in. You know we made an Armageddon reference, I think, in our last the podcast that we did together. Probably. Really yeah, if it was did. about climate change and the world yeah. ending, anyway, then yes, yeah. Armageddon is the movie. But in that movie, they save the day. Yeah. So they saved a day because in each of these asteroid movies, there's a, uh, a reference to the dinosaurs mm-hmm. to be like, oh, OK, like, well, this movie, yeah. there was a reference to dinosaurs in a way. No, there was direct reference to dinosaurs. It'd be like, like when they we... talked about extinction level event. Yes. Because okay, you yes. have to talk about the last time that an asteroid came. Of course. Yeah. And I think within not even the week, but in the month, there was a story about how a dinosaur fossil was found. Yep, the egg. Uh, the egg, yeah, like in the embryo or whatever. And yeah. people said that it was perfectly uh, preserved. It was like, ah. Oh. Very cool. So Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park, 20 years. <laughs> 20 years are going no, go to go I think Park. I listened to, it might have been a news podcast or, or something about talking about Jurassic Park and it, could it be possible. They already completely um, created the mammoth, the woolly mammoth. Did you know that? I'm sure. They're basically just a hairy elephant, but they. If anything no, happens during COVID, like it's just like, all right, man, but let me let me go outside, go to a bar. Apparently, and we're gonna have to listen to this again. They're creating. Um, the reason why they want to create woolly mammoths is because when they can actually recreate them, put them up north, it's supposed to help with climate change because of the weight or something. I could be butchering this knowledge, but anyway, it's on a podcast. The, we'll find the, it. The we'll weight. Figure it out. <laughs> no, I really. It really has to do with something to do with the weight and like the. Um, because of the weight and the soil um, before, obviously, the ice. I'm going to stop. We're going to cut this part out. <laughs> no, 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 that part's staying in. So, okay. I'll, of, find, I'll figure it out. Of the asteroid movies, of the disaster movies, what is your favorite? Would it be Armageddon, you don't remember Deep Impact, you see in Greenland this year, and don't look up? What was your favorite, you think? That's a really tough one because a lot of them are, even though they have the same premise, they're very different, I think. Um Armageddon, I barely remember. You don't remember the animal crackers on her stomach? I remember. That was the part that I remember. I thought that was so hot when I was little. <laughs> and the song, <laughs> I'm leaving on a jet plane. Um, I want to say Armageddon just for, you know, the history of it. Yeah. It's age, you know. But Wait, then was Bruce Willis I say, in I think Greenland, I would out. say Greenland is better than Don't Look Up. I really enjoy oh Greenland. Oh, my God, no. Yeah. At least to me, I, like to me of these movies, I would say, "Don't look up one, Deep Impact two, really Greenland." Don't th- look up is number one for you. This I gotta watch like it again. I gotta watch it again. To me, this was like the best because I, 
uh, whenever there are movies like this or there are quote-unquote blockbusters or movies trying to be blockbusters, the thing that I enjoy the most is um, ambition and wild swing. And I think like this movie was ambitious and it took like a, a deep cut, you know, like we have to take a swing in order to be good. The metaphors might be a little on the nose for some people, but for some people, they're just going to say, oh, no, it's just about comments. But you get a cast this big, you pay this amount of money because Netflix is allowing the director, the writer, the actors to like lend their voice to something. Whereas... Armageddon and Greenland to me are action movies and that's an easy sell. Like it's an action movies that has a quasi happy ending at the end. Like the stars always live at the end, but deep impact. And this is probably saying something about me deep impact and don't look up, which are my two favorite asteroid asteroid movies are just like the stars who you love, who, you know, they're going to die at the end of this movie because there's nothing kind of that we can do. And that like resonated with me. So that's why those were my favorites. And I think, like, what he also um, kind of tapped into were, were two things, right? Is the idea... By the way, everyone, Olivia was looking up her fucking woolly mammoth thing. How did you know right that? Now. I was absolutely looking it up. And I couldn't find it. Because I listened to so many different podcasts and I couldn't find it. So I'm going to find it. So anyway, the, the thing that Adam McKay um, also referenced, I think, to me and... You could because we've we've seen multiple end of the world movies, right? And even the one we watched this year with the monsters and I forget that guy's name who's not he's like died Tom Holland running through um a world mm. that's at the end. Yes. I I and know you, you love get it. that movie. I love too. that movie. But like I think like so many movies are coming out where it's like we are at the end of history. It's almost I love like those movies. Yeah, but it's almost like humanity thinks or people who are making art think that we are at the end. And everyone thinks this in every era, every century, every decade almost like we have peaked in fashion, art, music, technology, blah 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 that we have like almost except technology actually, but that we have almost perfected everything. Why do you think except that for there, health health is Why do you think there are so many of these like coming out in in this way especially from hollywood where they always think that oh okay we're at the end of it i think it's because you can't do anything about covid you can't you can't do any virus things Mm -hmm. i think that's nobody wants that right now even though they're in the self-deprecating kind of way people like end of the world shit yeah but i think it's also just um phases there's always a there's always a phase, an end of the world phase. Like zombies are a phase. Like the end of um, the 20th century, like 1999 yeah. going into, because that's when a lot of those movies came out. Yeah. And now like during COVID, like a lot of this stuff is going to be green lit going into 2020. And climate stuff was a phase too. Remember? Yeah. Um, the day, was it the day after the, yeah, tomorrow? Yeah, the day after tomorrow. But that like even if you stuff. lump all of this within the last 30 years, it's almost like everyone is saying to themselves, um, I don't know if this is going to work. Like the rest of this is going to work, but I want to write like my stamp on it right now in case everything gets washed away because the way we save stuff now, for instance, like every bit of media, you could put that deep underground and it could survive. And the Mm -hmm. same way people look up fossils, if another version of humanity comes, they can bring it up and then watch it and then think of what we thought of the time. But like, whereas... The same way we can't look at like Mayans or Aztecs and Mm -hmm. think what they thought about the world. And there's always like a 
a gap in between um, how we would digest it and how we would live through it because, and let me know what you think about this. Like we sit here and we think that we're in the end of the world part because it's very hard to think about what the world would look like after your death, like a hundred years after you die. Yeah, well, because end of the world just means end. When we say end of the world, we just mean end of human existence. It's still uh, the, wor- the world. If, if the the world, world still exists. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not technically the end of the world. Yeah, it's just the it's end, just end of, of the world for us. For us. Yeah. But then even more so, I think like a lot of what the Hollywood stuff is doing is like, it's the end of the world for us, but it might be like the end of the world for you. Like, yeah. Sorry, Mel Gibson, you know, anti-Semitic. But he wrote a movie um, and directed a movie, Apocalypto, mm-hmm. where it was like the premise was apocalypse for you or for anyone is when your world ends. When you die, that's the apocalypse for you. When, like, say if a war happened and, like, your country was to get decimated by bombs, but the world still went on, yeah. but that is the apocalypse. So the idea being... Um, and, and they play with this a little at the end of Don't Look Up, was like, yeah, the world ends, but humanity lives on maybe 20,000 years in the future. Yeah. But it's still the end for you. And I think like what a lot of people who are wealthy or have like a lot of power right now are grappling with is at some point you're going to die and it's going to be the end for you. So then instead of making a movie about that, you make a movie about it ending right now. Like I'm at the end of history. Mm-hmm. So I actually thought what was interesting is that, not to jump ahead, but mm-hmm. the end, you know how um, Meryl Streep and the overly positive tech guy, they get into these pods and then it's 20-something thousand years later and they're able to land untouched with age. Um, I thought that was almost a little ridiculous. Like you're able to create these these machines that can hold on to humanity, right, for that long, these machines can last, first, okay, first of all, a machine that can last that long in my iPhone only lasts a couple years, that's bullshit. Second of all, you can do that, but you can't save the the world. Like, the machines that they had was actually really not that complex. All they had to do was have the machines land on the meteor and blow it up. Are you fucking crazy? No, in compar- in comparison to to the machines that keeping them alive for 20,000 years. That's what I mean, the complexity. Ah, uh, okay, That's what okay. I'm saying. It's like you're able to do that, but you couldn't. Yeah, but it has It's to almost like he wanted them. He wanted to start no, no, new no, life no. all over again. Yeah, but this is that part of that. Anyway, has I'm to... just going no, over No, no, <laughs> I think you're right. Like, how could you uh, make a machine that can go to the next Goldilocks zone planet and have everyone in cryo and then land you on that planet 20,000 years land, later. That's, but, that was still Earth. No, no, no. That was an Earth. They went to another Are Goldilocks sure? planet. I I'm thought, a thousand okay, okay. percent I thought sure. I'm trying to question you, but I just I thought that they landed yeah, back in Earth and that was everything Earth no, 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 again no, no. evolving. No, no, no. So the idea is that you have to go... Because Earth is destroyed because yeah. the asteroid hits it. Got it. So the idea is that you have to go to another Goldilocks zone planet in a perfect zone, because Earth is a Goldilocks zone, um, close enough to the sun where there's going to be life that's going to evolve on it, but not be in the conditions of like Mercury or Venus or something like that. But it's a uh, far away um, astronomy kind of shit. Like you have to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. 
okay. But okay. Um, let's let's the, let's the continue. other yeah the other part of it is that there is this uh, I guess I would call it the great band theory that and I've talked about this a couple times on the podcast with Andrew and now like the idea that um, that history can be explained by the impact great men have on history have on the world or have on the planet. So in the, in the vein of this, right, like you have um, Jennifer Lawrence's character discover the asteroid and the great man thing comes in when it has like the tech billionaire and the president mm -hmm. come in and think that they can save the world by what they do and yeah. statues will be built uh, because of them and these things will be done. But he's like spitting in the face of this theory to say like, this shit is not going to work. Like the great man theory is false. Mm -hmm. Like one individual person with their own ideals or their vision is actually going to fuck up the world. And the way history kind of like move forward is because there are multiple people, there are multiple countries. There is like a confluence of good luck that causes history to go forward. No. <laughs> Do you want me to add on to yes, that? Yes, yes. <laughs> That's how podcasts go. No, no. I just, I know because I was thinking about this complex. I don't know. Um, I don't really know how to add on to that because I think it's what you explained is what happened in the film, in the movie, right? Yeah. Like what is, is this male, I don't know, hero complex in a way in well, all of these movies, all of these meteor yeah, there is definitely, I think, like a hero kind of... Um, well, they even actually, sorry, to be honest, they even blatantly said it, if we couldn't figure out in the film, they even had the male hero. Yeah. Like so they, like, that's an added thing to make it even more clear for people just in case they didn't know, oh right. yeah, we need a, exactly. we need a male racist white they hero. Got, they got the Bruce Willis character from Armageddon to be in this movie played by Ron Perlman to just say like... This is how America would set it up. And mm -hmm. it's funny because we watched The Matrix last night because there's always a messiah. There's always someone coming, a the singular, one. the one, the singular man coming to like save the world. And, and that's what they were setting up with that character. And what made it funny about this one is that they also said like, yeah, but um, this guy is also like a racist. And the funny line from him is like, oh, yeah, but he's from a different time. Yeah. He's, he's, he's from a different time. What different you, generation. I think this about um, Yellowstone, as you know. Yes. Um, what do you think Bruce Willis's character... Who do you think Bruce Willis's character in Armageddon would have voted for in the 2016 election? 100%. I watch Yellowstone and I think like, yeah, all these people would have voted for Trump. <laughs> I don't know. I can't feel that bad for him. <laughs> it's just happening. Um, all right. So let's move on to like who some of the cast represented in the movie um j-law to me uh her character as she was rapping wu-tang clan lyrics at the beginning of the movie um as she said that was the worst moment for her because i think in j-law's mind she's thinking like i'm a white woman rapping wu-tang to begin a boxing day movie that everyone's gonna watch on netflix if i fuck this up I'm going to become a meme because of this. But, you know, she did a good job. No one's fucking with her because of that. But in my eye, like, she represented um, Generation Z, who is at the end of everything that previous generations have done with climate change and her freak out and her, her obsessive behavior and focus on the guy charging her money 
for stuff that was free was representative of how Gen Z feels about like, oh, you have to do X, Y, and Z now to help climate change, even though this shit was free for me, but I'm charging you for it. I thought like what Adam McKay was doing was, it was very clear, and that's why I said some of the stuff was on the nose, but I think it also worked because there were so many callbacks to it that she couldn't let this go in the most depressive moments of it. Uh, what do you think about her character? I thought her character was great. I thought that the freakouts, and also, ironically, that she's the one who became a meme from her own generation, yeah. right? Um, I thought it just... Her character, when you say Gen Z, it makes a lot of sense, even towards the end, just saying, fuck it, and find, finding love in the short moments, you know? Yeah. It's just like all this, okay, well, I'm never... I'm never going to be a mother. I'm never going to be anything. So I might as well just fall in love with someone. And she allowed herself to do that. She, um, even just the fact of like working in a, when she was, I guess, exiled from her work and everything and working in a a supermarket or wherever she was equivalent of winners. Um, Do you game? Do you game? Yeah. See, like there's so (laughs) many references. That was amazing. The the world's about to end. Do you game? Yeah. So I think, I think her character was really well done. I think the freak out, actually, I don't even think that was over-exaggerated or overly... No, no, no. I she was the only one acting rationally. Because, exactly. Because It's I think the in Greta that Thunberg, moment, um, like, yeah, I'm freaking out. Why aren't you freaking out because also? Because it's, it's that moment is that she tried the, the latter. She tried to stay yeah. calm. She, and she saw that that wasn't working. So it's almost like, well, let me give you a, an honest reaction Thinking, well, if I react normally, if, if this is how I react, I would hope that my fellow civilians would see the pain. God damn it, have some empathy and understand. But instead, it turns into a meme. Instead, everything flips on her, which is exactly what media does. It's so easy to just change, manipulate people's minds, which is another something that we saw in Unexplained, mm-hmm. how to easily manipulate someone so you can think the other yeah. What you didn't even think that you would ever fall into a trap. Right. It's a trap. Mind traps. Right. So I think like that's where Jennifer Lawrence's character struggle with the entire time. Mm-hmm. Is that how could there be an opposite side to what I'm saying? And even as Leonardo DiCaprio's character is trying to explain um, all of the math behind this asteroid coming, the prediction. Uh, she would, Jennifer Lawrence's character would stop and be like, there is a fucking asteroid coming to end the planet. How is this a debate? How are we not yeah. marshalling everything? And I think that's a lot of what uh, Gen Z feels and what they think. Like, climate change is coming. How are we not marshalling everything just to stop this? Do we have to wait until it's too late and then try to stop it? And I thought it was, yep. I thought it was interesting that they kept fighting to save the planet, even when, let's say there was one month left, you know, yeah. you're, they're scientists, they're smart. You know, at that point, a month left, you know that it's just not going to work out. I would use that one month to at least. Yeah, but like, I think what they were thinking in, in those scientists' uh, brain, like how they were doing it. Like, they have no one to go home to, really. So campaign, might as well just keep tra- yeah. It was like, why don't we try something because what if this is like yeah. one in a million? We've grown up on sports movies. One in a million shot. What if we shoot every nuke at it? And yes, science says it's not going to work. But what if it nips the asteroid like maybe a few hundred meters and it either not completely misses the planet, but like it breaks off a chunk that can allow humanity to survive a little bit longer? 
or break it up into two. One part misses the earth. And I think like that was the way they were thinking. But maybe this movie should have been three hours long because maybe you needed that um, fully flushed out because there was one part we did not need in this movie. And I think that was every scene with Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi. We didn't need the celebrity culture kind of shit. What I thought was interesting though is that and I don't know if you noticed this, but this movie was had nothing to do with the story of um, the people. It had nothing to do with how people react to it. It was mm-hmm. everything to do with how, well, people as in um, people who have nothing the to plebs. do with the decision making. Yes, yeah. the plebs, the, the civilians. Yeah, yeah. Because this movie could have gone another way. It could have been... Yeah. That would be more like, oh, what? How do people? Re- that's how more do the civilians the, react to this? That's more this of was, the Greenland kind of thing. Yes, and this was more of how do people who can make the decision, decision like the decision yeah. makers, really? Yeah. How do they react in the situation? And I actually liked how they kept it separate until obviously, even the very end was so wasn't really like they just had the moment in the office of the people mm-hmm. reacting, being like, oh, I need to get home to my family, realizing that the world is ending. But it, I really liked that separation, how it was only about, you know, the decision makers in the sense, or people who have enough power to make a change in the media. Um, I really liked that separation. Um, and it made you as the as the audience, uh, us watching the film, almost screaming. At, I felt like I was, there were moments in my head that I was just screaming at the TV. <laughs> like, especially when Leonardo DiCaprio kept going into just data. I'm like, just yeah. say the goddamn thing. Just like, say oh, the fucking thing. So that's a perfect segue <laughs> into his character, right? So his character is supposed to be representative of every scientist who has talked and complained about climate change or who has talked and complained about <sighs> COVID. So, for instance, like uh, Fauci is on TV talking about COVID in a scientific way, not being 100% on something. But the general public cannot, I think, accept his explanations. Or if every scientist isn't 100% on board on climate change, like 98% of scientists. You have to be hot, I guess. Because Leonardo was the hot scientist, right? You have to be a hot scientist. So maybe if Fauci was better looking... He's more forgivable. This would not like this would not have happened. We would have like better vaccine uptakes in it. And his I, I think his character also showed like, yeah, you can be swayed by celebrity. Like even Absolutely. as a scientist, you're in the middle of this, but you're swayed by celebrity, you're swayed by the appeal. You're getting all of these emails that are coming in. And then in your own personal life, you're getting people talking to you or, you know, do you think Fauci's like on the side getting some? Probably like by Kelly. some someone famous, <laughs> someone famous is like giving Fauci some just because like oh you're so, so much authority, so much power. Maybe. Do you think he has an IG model in his back pocket? He has. He has a guma somewhere. He's in New York, isn't he? He Italian? No, but you don't have to have a guma. Fauci is he an Italian. Italian. No, Fauci. Yeah, he. Uh, Fauci's an Italian last name. Oh, okay. But I don't know. I can't say if he's Italian or not. I don't know. But I'm saying. You don't have to be Italian to have a guma. Well, obviously not. No, that's not what I'm saying. You said that too comfortably. <laughs> obviously not. <laughs> you totally don't. Call is that is that your guma on the phone? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm looking up Fauci's fucking. Uh, I'm looking up his background. Kind of like filibuster. Keep talking. Okay. What was next on here? We're going down through characters. We covered J Law. Then we covered Leo. Next on here is <laughs> wow, you suck at this. Meryl Streep. 
Oh, yes, Naples. Okay, his grandparents from Naples, Italian. There you go. There Meryl you go. Streep. Let's okay. talk about her. All right. Her character. What political figure do you think she was, Zakari? <laughs> <laughs> go on as I sip my wine. <laughs> Meryl Streep's character. That was a laugh. Meryl Streep's character was a obviously a combination of uh, Trump, Clinton, and Bush. Obviously. And I think like... Clearly. People think like a lot of Trump, but it was more so Bush, I believe. Yeah, because um, yes, because she talked a lot. If it was Trump, she wouldn't be saying a lot of she words. Would be, she would be more <laughs> condescending. Like the, the Trump analogies goes into Jonah Hill's character, who was like the chief of staff and also her son. That is like the Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump hybrid character who doesn't know anything. Also a play on the succession kind of the succession kind of trope that. Your kids are going to inherit what you do, but your kids, because of the position you put them in, have no fucking idea or no fucking clue about um, how to run this shit, and they don't rely on people who have the actual expertise to run it. Um, but the country isn't like a corporation, so you can just put someone in, and then he can be the guy, and that's what Jonah Hill did. But her character, I think, was, again, she was another person who, to me, like, the script was weaker on, but, like, she just liked the message of the movie. It's like, yeah, fuck it, I'll do this. That's the vibe I got from Meryl Streep this entire time. Like, yeah, yeah I'm, like, I'm like the Jay-Z of, of acting, but I can take a break and then just but she's do still, this kind she, of movie. Even, even then, she still killed it. She just, knows, she did, she just yeah. knows how to act. Her character was great. I thought she was a, a great cast for that character. Yeah. I can't, based on after, even after seeing her, I can't even picture anyone else who would, who could cover that yeah top that. And, but i think like part of the the presidential character at least to me is like they should have kept it um because comedy is like the wavy line and the straight line right i think they should have kept her character more so as a serious person and then allowed jonah hill's character to be the comedy or allowed j-law's character freak out that's where the comedy mm -hmm. to come in and then our last character who we're gonna i think kind of recap um, the tech guy. I don't even remember I thought his he name. was great. He great. was cast so great. Man, great that guy should be choice? nominated for an Oscar. His voice choice yeah. was, I don't know who was the, um, who, you know, greenlit that choice, yeah. but I commend them because I thought that was perfect. It's almost childlike yeah. and creepy and pedophilic. But so then they also tried to make him... Every tech they, But they also, did you notice they tried to make him almost look like a Mr. Rogers kind of character? Because yeah. even having the little girl, which had... She came and went. No other... There was nothing else referencing him as almost like a father-like figure yeah. ever. But I just really thought that was such a... Ridiculous like the little girl's like, you're, you're, can I say something? No. <laughs> then, so you're cute. my hero. Okay, like, keep, keep walking. And he, to me, like, Mr. Rogers is good. I, I didn't get the Mr. Rogers vibe, but now that you say it, 100%, they wanted to make him as, like, as likable and as, quote, unquote, soft but as cringy. ever. cringy. He was, and he was so wait, cringy. He wasn't so, like, he was just cringe just the whole time. Think about the guys that we think as insufferable, cringy tech guys. Zuckerberg. Musk, Bezos, and then Steve Jobs, who has like this cult of personality behind him that people love Steve Jobs. And he inspired the Theranos girl to like wear black turtlenecks the whole time. And Steve Jobs was the one who did, I don't know if he pioneered it, but in my mind, he was the first guy to like be on stage mm -hmm. and talk about technology in this like yeah, maybe. reverential way. And that's what all of this is referencing. Like all of these guys are kind of assholes who are disconnected from the rest of the world 
who care about shareholder price and but maximizing they use they their mask company. it by saying they care about everyone else they yeah. care about the world they care about like even his whole his whole app that he created was about um what's it called trumping m- m- what mental health and trying to keep everyone happy cons- yeah. constantly at a constantly. constant basis which first of all you can't do that happiness is not you can't um it's not static right mm-hmm. you can't just live in happiness because that's psychotic but he that's his thing it's like that's what he tries to communicate and that but it's again masked by this need to be rich and have the power it's just but very creepy cringe cringe is like the only word i can think of for the guy but it was perfect it's also married cringed. next to the toxic positivity of the morning show host who were yes. pushing his company yes. every time to say like, oh, this is what the share price oh, keep and it this light. is like. Keep it light. Keep it light all the time. And yeah. think about like what these phone companies and apps, what they want is for you to be happy all the time yeah. because that's what you provide that's you content. Yeah. That's how you buy in. And that's what causes the share price of like any singular stock to kind of go up. Because if people are depressive or think that things aren't going to work out, then your common shareholders are going to be like, why am I buying this? Why am I holding mm-hmm. this? Why am I giving my money to a company that could be um, defunct in, uh, or a brand or a currency that could be defunct in a couple years? Like, why Why even would I think that this is a good idea? And I think that his character was masterful. I almost wanted it to be more so in the movie. The only mm-hmm. criticism I would have is, is that... I think that their power is demonstrated in sneakier ways and that maybe they're not in the exact room with the president, but they can call the president every single time. But that's exactly what happened. Or they can call the president to them. But like in in the scene where, um, which is representative of us doing nothing about climate change or coronavirus, Mm -hmm. right? When he comes in, talks to the president and tells her to turn it around, I think that maybe that scene was initially a phone call and they're like, this doesn't work visually. We actually need him in the room mm-hmm. and calling the president out uh, to tell them, turn it around. Yeah, that makes sense. That was the last character, right? Yeah, yeah. That was, that was I think... The last uh, character from what we're covering right from now. From what we're covering, yeah, we yeah. talked about like the toxic positivity a bit. And then um, the, the last thing that I think like this movie really hit on before we get into, like honestly, our ad-libs was the idea that facts can be debated at all times. Constantly, like yeah. you had this idea that the scientists um, were talking about... 98% or something. Yeah, that this is something chance. that is 100% happening. And the movie is saying that a lot of people who were even on the side of the science are not going to agree with the science until they can visually see something. So the, even the people who were saying, just look up at the beginning, right? They kind of did not believe... Like so vehemently that they would get out of their, you know, stupors of work and everything else to say, hey, everyone, I think you should actually look up. Even Ariana Grande's character was like, fuck the manatees, look up in the sky, the comet is coming. Mm -hmm. Um, But no one is saying this until they can see it. And the debate then turned in the movie between the people who were saying look up and those who were saying like don't look up in that there was always this elitist mindset that was coming in the way and you should be against those people. But it's also, it makes a reference to how we communicate as a whole currently in this time where there's so many extremes of opinions and people are so stubborn in the way they have their thoughts that if they don't want to hear it, they will focus on that 2%. Mm -hmm. So 
exactly like if, if they say, oh, it's 98% chance of hitting, that's pretty much 100%. But people will hear that and they will make form their own opinions based on what their own perception is on that data. So even though it says 98%, that's how there's people who are against it because they, they use that and they say, well, it's not actually 100%. There's 2%. So we can, you know, we can fight this in a way or manipulate it in a way to, so it can please our opinion and please us and please the people who are listening to us. And I think that is a good, I just thought that was a good, I, at least for me, I connect that to opinions these days that people are so focused on what they want that they don't give any energy into other people's opinions or even perhaps being persuaded otherwise. Or the idea that uh, you could be wrong yeah, about yeah, your opinion. That's another one. That it, it doesn't necessarily matter because, and I think that what I wanted, I think, from this movie a little bit was that even the scientists could be wrong. Like like Leo's plan and J-Law's plan, at some point it could have been wrong. It could have not worked. And I think that we give no grace into the scientists in that, yes, this comet is 100% coming, but how we can stop it, we might be like 60% sure. But the 60% sure gives us our greatest probability of success. But people want everything to be able to succeed right away. Yeah. And the way like climate change kind of works is that people are saying, okay, but what is the 100% way that we're going to be saved from this? And same way with coronavirus. It's like, all right, will this vaccine work 110%? If it doesn't, then throw it all away and it doesn't fucking matter exactly. why I'm even doing this. And to me, that was like this whole facts debate thing. It, it was always a part of like political TV, but I think it didn't go mainstream until Pardon the Interruption came on ESPN and it gave like shows, uh, stations like Fox News, MSNBC, and then even the networks kind of a model on how to set up debates. And then debates became um, not just Dan Marino versus Joe Montana, who's the greatest quarterback, even though the answer is Dan Marino. It's, um, it's like we need to be able to say an argument on both sides. And both sides can be right because if both sides are right, that's how you keep everyone watching. And the way you keep everyone watching is give everyone just like a little bit, a little sprinkle of accuracy. And then everyone gets to like sit at home and then they get to debate and then talk shit. And now everyone um, has a podcast. Everyone can like go to their family dinners and then go regurgitate the takes that they kind of said before. Your favorite thing to, that I say when we're on vacation. Yeah. We don't have to do it now. We got, we got time. And we then all of a sudden, we're here for all, a bit. All of a sudden we're on the plane going home. Yeah. We're here for a bit. But that's, I think that's also a thing. People like to focus on the fact that, oh, we got time. Or this is my lifetime, so I don't need to do anything about it. Then it's going to yeah, be too late. exactly. And that's why, even in all these movies I keep saying, is that you have to think that you're at the end of history. Because if you're not, then you have to extrapolate. You are fucking it up for your grandkids. Yeah. And for grandparents who are watching it, or who actually have grandkids, you think like, I love these fuckers. I never thought they would exist, and here they are. And whoop, I guess we're not going to do fuck all about that. COP26, the climate, um, COP26 is the big climate event that happened. Okay. Sorry. I just wanted to get that fact. All right. So, and then I think like the last thing I kind of wanted to mention, or like the last thing, the last two things, right, is um, the idea of the singleton being created. So the, the singleton, if you listen to the end of the world podcast um, that I have reference a few times on I need a minute is the idea that 
a lot of things like climate change um, that can be solved or ideas like basic income or what we do when there's artificial intelligence and that kind of stuff, that the only way that it can actually um, be solved is if there was a single singleton. We reference it in our other a, podcast. The yes, that we a did. single world, single world government. A king, queen. A king, queen, like that kind someone. of shit. It is the only way that this shit is going to get solved because there are so many uh, disparate opinions, ideas between governments, between citizens within a country that if you think that you're going to get people on board either way, it doesn't work. And the only way a singleton work is if it has genuine military power. And that also flows into the idea of techno-optimism, is that we always think that technology is going to save us, that we think that our technology is so advanced right now, and it will continue to be advanced, that that's going to save us. But with this movie, I think, comes up very firmly against is that not only might technology not save us, but they might beat us some bullshit like he did. And it sounded so great in the presidential studio. And at some point, like when you actually put these ideas that these uh, tech billionaires, when you put them into actual place to affect human lives, if they haven't tested it, if it hasn't been like debunked by other scientists, then it will fucking fall flat on its face. This has been the I Need I a Minute had, podcast. I had a glass of wine. I had a 10-year senior snack. <laughs> I'm not even... All right, uh, watch Death of to, to 2021. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. That. Yes, thank you for listening all year to I Need a Minute. And um, Olivia's going to drink some water right now. <laughs> it's been great. Thanks for <laughs> listening. I'm going to... And... Happy New Year. 2022 is going to be fine, right? 2022 is going to be a year of realizing things. Realize, realize, realize.